COVID-19 is surging in Europe and Asia. In China, the country is battling its worst outbreak since the early days of the pandemic. Meanwhile, here in Chicago, cases have been plunging for weeks. The current positivity rate is just 0.7%. But in the past, trends in the U.S. have often followed just weeks behind those of Europe. So does that mean that we could see an uptick soon? Or a return to masking? Dr. Allison Arwady is commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health, and she joins us now to talk through the very latest developments. Hi, doctor. Welcome back to Reset. Hi, thanks for having me. So 37 million people are in lockdown in China right now as COVID cases there are skyrocketing, driven by that Omicron BA1 and BA2 subvariants. As I mentioned, doctor, European countries are also seeing spikes. So can we expect here in Chicago for cases uh, to go up at all in the coming weeks? I think we will probably see some increase in cases. The question is how large that increase will be. I think where you look at China or Australia or some of the countries that were pursuing or trying to pursue a zero COVID uh, approach, that's just not possible with a variant as infectious as Omicron. I think in Europe, we never saw case rates get back down to the level that we are enjoying right now in Chicago and in the U.S. And so they were starting at a higher point in terms of seeing a spike coming back. But I do think um, as we see BA2 rates rising here, uh, we'll probably see some increase. The question is, will this look more like our alpha or our delta, you know, small increases over the summer, or will this be a major increase? We, of course, are hoping for the former, prepared for the latter if that comes, but vaccines continue to work well, uh, and we're, we're, we have good surveillance systems in place to be able to follow this. Well, uh, last spring, we rolled back mandates, and then we got hit with Delta in the summer. Do you think we're out of the woods this time? So we always, when I think about what opportunities we have, especially around masking. The good thing about masking is that a mask takes effect right away from when you put it on. So if we start to get into a point where there is a concern and the risk does become higher, which right now it is not high at all, if the risk becomes higher and we have to put those masks back on uh, right away, that's a mitigation that, that can take effect. It's different than a vaccine, right? It's too late when you are already in a surge to start vaccinating or start boosting or start reaching out. Uh, and so one of the reasons we continue to encourage people to be up to date with vaccines, including getting a booster, is because in a surge, masks are a quicker uh, and reasonably effective response, but vaccines are the major difference. And you look at China, you look at some of these Asian countries, they are very, very highly vaccinated, much better than the U.S. is. And so we're not seeing the major surge in deaths. We're seeing cases, but a lot of those are mild. My worry here is we've still got a lot of folks um, who haven't been vaccinated, mm-hmm. and even a, a surge that is not as dramatic as what in China probably, you know, could hit us harder um, among folks who have not had that protection yet. What about the Omicron BA2 subvariant or the stealth Omicron here in Chicago? How concerned are you about that? Yeah, so we have been 
tracking the BA2 subvariant for probably six weeks at this point, um, and we have seen it increasing. We've gone from, uh, you know, we're seeing it double about every one to two weeks, and we're up to a point where about 20 to 25 percent of uh, the cases that we're detecting here in Chicago and in the whole Midwest are that Omicron uh, subvariant um, of BA2. And what's interesting is there are parts of the country that are ahead of us. Uh, if you look at the Northeast, they're already up to 30, 35 uh, percent. Connecticut is leading the country. But at no point yet, whether here in Chicago, whether in the Northeast, have we seen that increase in the BA2 variant turning into clear surges in cases. I think we probably are not likely to see too much more of a decrease, but it's different than what was seen in some of Europe where you saw a really dramatic um, increase again, uh, or certainly than what you've seen in China. And so I think over these next few weeks, um, I expect we will get to a point where the BA2 subvariant is the dominant variant, meaning most of what we're detecting is BA2. But we know from a number of really good studies that if somebody was infected with BA1, with the Omicron variant, uh, the protection looks really good, you know, over 90% um, against that BA2. It's part of the reason we haven't named BA2 a separate variant. It's still part of Omicron. Um, and the vaccines do continue to show good protection. So I'm more optimistic, certainly, than um, I have been in the past, knowing that we are highly vaccinated and we've just gotten through a, a big surge already with Omicron. Um, but I think it's right to be cautious and to be prepared and to be watching the data in other spaces. So yeah. we'll see some increase here, but I've, based on what we're seeing so far, um, I'm hoping it won't be a major, major surge. It'll be something that uh, will be manageable, hopefully without needing to put additional mitigations in place, but we'll do it if we have to. Well, earlier this week on Reset, uh, we had infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina on and uh, talked about the new recombinant Deltacron variant. Let's listen. So we have like a recombination of genes. The way this occurs is when someone is infected with both Delta and Omicron strains simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And those two viruses sort of mix in the system and we end up with this combination virus that kind of has uh, the center or body part of the Delta virus and the spike proteins of the Omicron virus. Is this common, Dr. Arwady, for virus variants to recombine in this way? So variants are really common, and we often will see new sub-variants emerge. People don't realize, but even during the Delta surge, we had probably 15 different sub-variants of Delta that we were following here in Chicago. Uh, just like right now, we're following not just BA1 and BA2, but some other variants. The, the you know, so-called Deltacron um, is not one at this point that we've seen very clearly out-compete um, or showing signs of making people dramatically more ill. For me, it just highlights that the, the virus, as it spreads, continues to have the opportunity to mutate. And so 
where we can get folks vaccinated, not just here but around the world, where we can make sure that we are limiting unnecessary opportunities for that um, continued spread, um, those are, you know, those are important. And it's why if we start to see high levels of spread and we had to do some of the mitigations, we would. But I don't have major concerns right now, certainly locally, um, about that subvariant. I think the BA2 of Omicron is the one that we're watching uh, the most, and it's the one that I expect um, where we see, you know, some increase will, will more likely be due to that variant. Could I be wrong? Of course. But looking around the world and talking to our own experts here, that's, that's, the, that's what we really have our eye on at the moment. And then really watching internationally for any signs of new variants, um, even besides Omicron. And, and yeah. the big question, the long-term question here is variants. Um, it's, it's not about do vaccines work. It's not about uh, do we have systems in, in place. It's about how the virus itself continues to mutate and uh, whether the things we have built up remain uh, protected against it. I've been thinking a lot about spring break. Could spring break in March and April contribute to a, a spike in cases, especially with CPS going mask optional? Last so week? I, it's, I think it's possible. You know, I've been talking a lot to people around the country. I was on the phone with the, my counterpart in New Orleans, and she said, you know, we were really nervous down here because uh, Mardi Gras is probably the United States' lead super spreader candidate. More than a million people come from around the country, uh, and they come largely to party. And even in that setting, they have not seen major surges, major problems developing yet. Whenever we see travel, whenever we see the potential for, you know, populations and variants to mix, you know, that does increase risk for sure. Um, but I... Uh, I'm less concerned about, you know, a specific, you know, a, a St. Patrick's Day or a spring break or kind of a, a defined day or event being a super spreader in the way that we used to be concerned about that prior to vaccination. I am very concerned that if people have not gotten their vaccine or not protected and then are, you know, traveling or taking unnecessary risks, um, that we will see some increase there. But, but different from early in COVID, we think less about uh, a specific event and more about what we're seeing um, in, in kind of day-to-day -day and yeah. the population and the different variants growing in different subpopulations in Chicago. The Chicago Department of Public Health monitors the city's wastewater for the yeah. virus as well. What are you seeing in wastewater data right now? Yeah. So uh, a lot of this, we do this with many, many partners, and it's being done around the state, um, and we use it at all different levels. We are seeing broadly good news still in the city's wastewater data, where you look at the different settings around Chicago. We've not seen major increases in the amount of COVID. We've not seen new variants emerging. We are seeing uh, more BA2, just as we are in the clinical uh, tests that we take. Um, but I think you know, this is one other way that we that we monitor COVID. It got a lot of attention earlier this week with when the CDC updated its wastewater chart, which includes Chicago data, of course, uh, that that we were seeing increases in a number of in a number of places, and we are. But 
but those increases are from very, very low levels. So yeah. we there have been some, some weeks at some of the sites here in Chicago where we've actually not even detected any COVID. It doesn't mean there's no COVID there, but it's at almost the lowest level. You know, we literally don't even detect it in the sample that we take. And so in some of those cases, we've gone from detecting none to detecting a very small amount. Um, and my concern would be if and when we were to see major increases, like we saw with the original Omicron wave coming in. And I think as we see BA2 come into predominance by the end of the month, I think we'll have a better sense of, mm-hmm. of how uh, significant it, it will be here. Um, but I... I, you know, I can't completely predict the future, but I can ask everybody right now, if you're worried about this at all, get up to date with your vaccine. It's the most important thing um, for whatever comes next. Let's go back a bit then. How did you arrive at the decision to end masks and, and, and proof of vaccination mandates? Yeah, absolutely. So all risk and all epidemiology at the end of the day is local. And so we are enjoying right now, and I say enjoying because I I am enjoying it, the lowest COVID case rates, positivity, hospitalizations, ICUs, um, that that we have had uh, since, you know, since last summer. And that means, and we're, we're in Chicago, we're at half the rate of Illinois. Illinois is below the rate across the U.S. And the rates in the U.S. are dramatically lower, 10 times lower than what we're seeing, you know, in Europe right now. Mm-hmm. And so I can't promise that that never will there be a time that we'll have problem from COVID again. But when the risk is low, the chance that you are going to run into somebody with COVID, be exposed, get COVID out and about in Chicago is really low. And it's the lowest it has been. I feel strongly that when the risk is low, we should be honest about that. We should lift those mitigations so that if we need them in the future, that is also based on data and it is based on risk and it is saying, you know, we're not doing this. You know, there are some people who think we say it's time to put masks on because I love to do it or we want to, you know, show the strength. And it's nothing to do with that. When we say put a mask on, it's because the risk is higher that whether you want to or not, you yeah. may run into somebody with COVID and we could see spread. Yeah. Again, and the masks, again, they start working as soon as people do put them on. So I I have no concerns about, honestly, about um, where we are, about the decisions that we've made, uh, and we will continue to use those data-driven, science-based metrics yeah. uh, to make those decisions. Well, you want more Chicagoans to get the shot, right? So why not I keep do. the vaccine mandate in place? Oh, well, the the reason the vaccine mandate went in for our high-risk settings was largely because we were seeing more Chicagoans actually hospitalized with COVID during this Omicron surge than at any prior point. And so disproportionately, these were unvaccinated Chicagoans, especially younger unvaccinated Chicagoans. And so knowing, you know, my when we are putting these society-wide mitigations, either it's about, you know, helping lower the risk for everybody 
inequity, but where we have to do these things, we don't have a choice, is where we're threatening the health care system. And so if we were to see a surge, again, that, we're, that was doing that, we would also reinstitute that. But what we see when we look at data from around the country, and we saw it here too, is that when you put those requirements in place, we did see some spike in, in uh, people choosing to get vaccinated, especially among um, folks who are younger and want to be able to go out and do these fun things. But that is not necessarily a lasting effect. And so I prefer, and I think it is more mm -hmm. honest about the epidemiology and the risk, yeah. um, to let folks know that really if the risk is high, the risk is high. And that means if you've made the choice not to be vaccinated, you can't be in a higher risk setting. Um, but that doesn't apply all the time. Right now, folks who are not vaccinated are not posing a high risk uh, to other people because the risk for everybody is low. Yeah. But as the risk goes up, that's the sort of thing that we would reinstate. And it is all just based on, um, you know, understanding at a city level, which is how the best epi is done. Mm -hmm. It's done locally, um, what, what an individual's risk is and whether we need to put things in place. Well, I have you two more questions, Doc. Still talking of vaccinations. Pfizer asked the Food and Drug Administration to authorize a second booster dose for adults who are 65 and older. Uh, Moderna is also pushing for a second booster dose for all adults. That would be the fourth COVID vaccine shot. Is that what it's going to take, you think, to, to boost immunity in the face of these new variants? Yeah. So, you know, I think the question, honestly, is not is not if, but sort of when. For me, you know, just given the way that we've seen COVID continue to evolve, I would not be at all surprised if, for example, in the fall, in the time where people are often getting their flu shots and we're sort of looking ahead toward winter that historically here in Chicago is where we see respiratory viruses surge. It's We don't know for sure that that will continue to be a pattern with COVID, but we would expect that to be a major time. I wouldn't be surprised um, if while we are in the pandemic, there becomes sort of, you know, potentially even an annual, uh, um, you know, variant-specific um, booster shot down the line. I think the question and what everybody's wrestling with right now is, do you try to do that right now um, at a time when risk is lower across the U.S., but you're prepared for the future, but then you're not in as good a place to do it again in the fall? We don't want to keep vaccinating folks if there is not a very clear um, reason to do so. And so I'm glad that we're starting to see some data on this. But, you know, I've actually been really pleased by how well the vaccines have been protective against the severe outcomes, um, even just with that third booster dose. And so okay. I'm quite interested. I've been in a lot of conversations with what the FDA and the CDC decide here. I want to be clear with folks, there is not at this point a recommendation for folks to get a booster now. My guess would be if, if, if that did become a recommendation, it would more likely be for folks who are older with underlying conditions. Um, but I think if we started to see signs of concern here, that might be a reason to think about doing it before the fall. We yeah. just don't know yet. Um, and as we uh, are getting more data with these surges, we'll see better how well the, the um, vaccine efficacy uh, uh, lasts. Well, what support is there in general for immunocompromised Chicagoans, those who can't oh. get the vaccine, the, the, the vaccine, you know, especially now with mask mandates gone and yeah. a lot of companies are asking folks to come back to work? Yep. So I would say, you know, I here at my own staff, you know, we've been in person and I, I got a question yesterday from a staff member who said, uh, 
is it just that we've stopped telling everybody if there's a COVID case or have there really been no COVID cases? And I said, no, there haven't been any COVID cases uh, just because risk is low. You know, I do think it is a time um, that broadly speaking, we can do things in person seriously. I'm not just saying that. Uh, the data is bearing that out. I want to emphasize um, on the point of folks who are immunocompromised, but not just immunocompromised, people who are older, over 65, underlying conditions. If anybody gets COVID in those groups, please call your doctor because there are treatments available that we did not have even four and five months ago, but they need to be given early. And you can get them whether you're vaccinated or Mm -hmm. not that cut the risk of being hospitalized or dying from COVID by as much as 89, 90%. So really the availability of these new treatments is our belt and suspenders. The belt is the vaccine. You got to get vaccinated and up to date. But then if there is a breakthrough infection for somebody who's immunocompromised, I want every Chicagoan to get assessed by a health care provider. We can help connect people if they don't have someone. Um, and if appropriate, get these newer treatments. The combination of those two things are what help turn this disease into something that doesn't put people in the hospital. Um, and that is going to be, I think, in the big, at the end of the day, uh, what most keeps, uh, you know, what lets us sort of live with, live with this virus, because we're not going to eradicate it um, unless there's some unexpected breakthrough. That's Dr. Allison Arwitty with the Chicago Department of Public Health. Doctor, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.